I really love Screen the TV series. I'm very glad that you are with me to discuss all of the intricacies of Fogo Space, and I'm very, very excited to see how much longer the Lakewood Five can survive. Always and forever. Okay, say something that's more educational than that. Mm-hmm. Who's going to be the next to go? You know, who will Fogo get next? Is what I want to know. Well, if it's up to Stavo, it would be Karen. If you agree with his ranking system, it is a rare honor to gift a new character to Faux Ghostface the coveted privilege of being the opening quote of the episode for Faux Ghostface. In this particular case, it's Stavo Acosta, Sheriff Acosta's son. He has a fantastic dialogue here. You're talking about Jake Fitzgerald, number six. That's your boyfriend, right? I know all you Lakewood Sixers, Brooke. You numbered us? That's not creepy. Noah Foster coined the phrase, I just added the ranking. Okay, so what number am I? I'd go as high as number four. Are you kidding? I'm at least three. Noah's number three. Oh, you've got to be kidding. He was the investigative force. I was stabbed and left in a freezer. Yeah, I know. Thought it would have made a bigger impact. Isn't that great? Making light of her stabbing. That's what I would have done. It's hilarious. Brooke does not know what to do with this gent. I like him because he's like very mysterious. Also, I mentioned this line way back when, when we were going over a preliminary faux ghost face episode before we actually dove in. But the way Brooke delivers this to Stavo Right before she leaves the police station, all you people who think you know everything about the Lakewood Six, or whatever it is you want to call us, you don't know us. Not really. Gives me chills to this day. That's true, because if you go through trauma, it's very isolating, you know, because you don't really, people don't understand, or you don't feel like people understand. Conversely, the Lakewood Six, they're all closer together. Because of that folia do. Yeah. Or I guess it would be folia six. But they are closer in ways that they were not prior to the beginning of season one. You know, if you think about it like that. Yeah. I got nightmares in my head, I fear that the thoughts build up until I can't hear That my mind fills up into a creature and it haunts me somewhere much deeper Greetings, dreamy screamers! Welcome to Faux Ghost Face, an episodic autopsy companion series to Scream, the TV series. Season 2. This will serve as your second episode. Introducing a new chapter of Carnage in a new, salacious, sordid, and sinister season of Scream the TV series. We begin anew as we reveal methodically and deliberately who will morph into a new, fresh pile of bloody goo. This is where we scalpel deep and surgically critique this shamelessly delectable guilty party pleasure. Today, we will cut a devilishly delectable slice of the Scream the TV series Carnage Candy Confection 
How's that for alliteration? That is the most alliteration ever. Was second season two. O Ghostface review of episode 12, Psycho. Ah, Psycho, the film by Alfred Hitchcock. Black and white, it's actually one of the few Alfred Hitchcock films that you and I enjoy, and it's in black and white. We should do Psycho one day when we're doing our Hitchcockathon. We are going to, for you, dreamy screamers, but really more so for the cinematic fanatics, although you're allowed to double dip, we will do several Alfred Hitchcock films in no particular order. But do you think, Daisy Bell, that Psycho is worthy of our review of it? Yeah, I like Psycho. And honestly, I don't even watch it that much. I know, it's weird. But we have done a slick flick pick with Janet Lee. The As an old bag, yes. (laughs) She did not age well, but in Psycho, she was a hottie with a getting stabbed in the shower body. We are gifted both the Lakewood Five and a variety of new cast members. The lingering questions that plague us are, which of these six will outlast, subvert, or circumvent the killer? The killer's hideous tricks, and which new cast member could be, likely might be, will be dismembered. Rest in pieces, Jake Fitzgerald. You will be missed. What's interesting is that we are down to the Lakewood Five, but nobody other than Audrey knows that we're down to five. This will continue for a while. You are still our dreamy screamers, for you are dreamy in your second season screams and scream deep within your analytical dreams. I love that we get a new professor and we get new topics in class. Branson is missed, to be sure, but I do like this new teacher. We politely ask you to parse and ponder the following question. Is it a dream within a scream or a scream within a dream? You may not be able to escape your dream, but from faux go, you can run, climb, and attempt to hide, but you're already dead inside. Here, in your dreamy, dreamlike state, each scream makes you feel alive. For as others may be killed, gruesomely at times, you instead shall thrive as you strive to remain alive and to stick with those fleeting, but for now alive, victims of past and present lies who proudly deem themselves the Lakewood Five, who cling desperately to their still-breathing Lakewood Hive. Foster's got a foster, and Falsetto, the Noah Foster imposter, has got an imposter. The classroom teaches of a threatening simulation, but will there be more predation, another evisceration, or castration? Emma's lizard-fucking brain has morphed into something even more insane. Emma craves Mylanta at the realization. Kay's moving back to Atlanta. Say it. Oh, Mylanta. I didn't even know what Mylanta was. I had to look it up. What? Yeah, I didn't know. Oh, I just thought it was an, I thought it was an expression. I didn't know it was a drug. Mm-hmm. Like an antacid or whatever. Well, doesn't that make sense with Atlanta? <laughs> at nightfall, the bicurious liar scales barbed wire to keep her pale ass out the fire. Man might not live on toppings alone. Piper's accomplice, to Noah, remains unknown. Brooks' rank in the Lakewood Six is number four, for Gustavo knows she's still a whore. Flowers placed on Brooks' Range Rover. To live, she'll need the luck of a four-leaf clover. That's pretty good. I wish I had flowers and a Range Rover and a four-leaf clover. But you don't want the little 
Twizzlers or licorice whips that she enjoys. No, I don't want to be stabbed in a freezer. Welcome, dreamy screamers, to the second episode of season two. Bogo Space, Old Horrors Noah Will Unshelve in Chapter 12. Harmful Pig Farm, The Bicurious Liar Scales Barbed Wire. A backlog of Noahlog. It is time for serialized killer trivia. Karina Logue previously played Audrey on the Bates Motel TV show, another TV series based on famous horror movies. It is a modern prequel to Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Karina Logue is the real-life sister of Donal Logue. Tom Everett Scott, who plays Emma's father, and Tom Madden, R.I.P. Jake Fitzgerald, also appear together in the first season of 13 Reasons Why. Oh, my brother loved that show. It's dumb. Scream, episode 12, Psycho. Scariest scenes. You go first. The end. You know that Audrey is going to break into Piper's storage shed. But when she does, I don't know what I thought she was going to find, but I was unprepared. You know that Jake's dead, but to find his lifeless corpse there was unexpected. In the pins to Audrey. And the air fresheners straight out of the movie 7. 50 air fresheners hanging from the ceiling. But now I know, in case there was any doubt, the wardrobe that Audrey is wearing for this little caper is identical to what she wore when she stormed the records and the evidence room in mm -hmm. season one. Yeah. I also love the scene where Emma is freaking the fuck out and she's fleeing the house at the beginning of the episode. And Brooke is like, what are you talking about? What is wrong? We need to go now. Okay, the morgue. Because with season two, we also give updates on the morgue. Welcome back, horror fans. This is Noah talking on the morgue about suspense and in standard scream fashion. Whenever there is a voiceover, they're showing interesting things happening, like Audrey breaking into the storage locker. Welcome back, horror fans. Wish I had an exciting reveal for you tonight, but in my humble opinion, suspense is underrated. The thing about the truth is, it's hard to pin down. It's hot and cold. You hope it's one thing, but deep down, you know it's something else. Of course, I want there to be something amazing when I open that locker tomorrow, but part of me knows when I do finally get my big reveal, I'm not going to like what I find. Yeah, you're damn right you won't, but not for the reasons that we suspect, because it, it will yeah. trick us in the next episode a little bit. The tension between Noah and Audrey so far in this season, it's kind of painful, actually, because last season they were just simpatico, and obviously... They're still friends, right? But there's clearly, because of what Audrey is not telling Noah, there is some weirdness in between the two of them. So Emma runs back home. She immediately confronts her mother. And she's like, what is this pig farm doing out there in the middle of nowhere? So this farm on Pikeview Road, that's what you said, right? Yeah, it belongs to Troy James. Emma's mother is already aware of said barn. Yeah, I know. Wait, what do you mean you know? You've been there before, Emma, when you were very young. I told you about Troy, Brandon's brother. Yeah. Well, after the killings, the Jameses were constantly harassed. They basically became outcasts. So, they moved out there? Until they could find another place to live. A place where they weren't hated by everyone. Add it to the ongoing list of Maggie's secrets. This barn is out there, but Maggie does not suspect that any of the Jameses still live there, for this was a long time ago. Emma's like, well, we're going out there right now, goddammit. So they do. 
Emma and her mother go back out at night to this creepy fucking house, and guess what? There's nothing there. Weird. Was she imagining it? That's kind of the whole theme throughout the rest of the episode. In fact, she goes and talks to Kieran about it later. We'll see. Her mom checks the following morning for Emma in her bedroom. She's not there. She is kicking it at Kay's house. They have a great dialogue. So Emma's telling Kieran, hey, nobody understands what I'm going through. I'm all fucked up. But Kieran's like, shut your mouth, Blondie. Because I could have sworn weeks after my dad was killed that I could hear him in the other room. (gasps) Do you think that's like a clue? Like, would somebody be in his room? My question is, is it spiritual bonding or has he drank too many spirits? Mm, Hopefully the latter. When my dad first died, everything about this place set me off. That must have been really hard, Kieran, being here by yourself. Intense. Some mornings I'd swear I could hear him in the other room. That's normal weirdness. That's not, that's not seeing things that aren't there. Well, did you come home too soon, Emma? Maybe you should go back to treatment. That sounds crazy. You're good, M, right here. Okay, fair enough. Meanwhile, there's an old Buick trailing Emma. And Noah offers Audrey an egg witch that same morning. Yummy! She turns him down. She's like, she's like, I don't want an egg witch. I love egg witch. Especially if there's cheese on it. Noah is convinced that Piper had an accomplice. And he says that he has found a commenter named Eddie Kruger. As you know, mm-hmm. Kruger is the same name as Freddy Kruger from A Nightmare on Elm Street. Wes. But Noah says that this guy, who's a night clerk at the Crescent Palms Motel, which is the motel that Piper stayed in when she was in town, apparently this Eddie guy saw with his own peepers Piper's accomplice. So Noah is dead set on talking to this man. And that will occur later. And then I love how Noah approaches the gang in school in the hallway. What's up, my Lakewood Sixers? <laughs> well... Five. Noah's always putting his foot in his mouth. Lakewood 5 at the moment, as I do not see Jake. Meanwhile, Brooke is concerned because she's like, well, the Jake and I broke up. So let me know if he is spilling trash about me. Probably shit talking oh, me. Yeah. And they're like, okay, but we haven't heard from Jake. And then she says, one day is obnoxious and bold. Two days is obnoxious and weird. And then, <laughs> so she's mad that Jake is not responding to her. And Noah says, come on, he faked mono for a week to get out of midterms. That's just Jake. And then Kieran contributes, well, his folks are in Mexico. Maybe he's just laying low. And then Audrey says, Brooke, have you tried texting him? Please. Every Cosmo girl knows the guy is supposed to be the one to break the text standoff. Wow. So modern. I used to read Cosmo. Never did. Yeah. Good. Audrey gets a text from Fogo. Afraid, question mark, should be, your friends will turn on you when they learn the truth. This will be the impetus for the following things to occur in this season. Holding something over Audrey's head, making Audrey do the faux go bidding. It's a great plot point and it works. And Audrey looks mean. She can look like, I would not want to piss her off. Well, lesbeast, Jake said it best. She's a beast. But as Audrey gets this text, she's looking around suspiciously in the hall. And she sees this bitch, the same bitch who was part of the prank that was pulled on her in the last episode. And she just straight up attacks this girl on the stairs. And I love how the camera puts it right on Audrey's face, inches away from the bitch's perspective. She shows Audrey her phone and she's like, I was just texting my boyfriend. And the text from this guy, Aaron, says, you so hot, H-A-W-T, 
girl spelled with a U. What a fucking retard. Anyways, it's very interesting because much like in Scream 2, when they're running around the campus trying to find who the culprit is, paranoia is setting in. Emma is having to apologize to Zoe because she totally stood her up for their catch-up study sesh. Well, that's all well and good, but something interesting happens. We learn in this little exchange that Zoe really thinks highly of Emma, and this was going to be as much of a therapeutic session for Emma as it was going to be for Zoe, because Zoe speaks to some cryptic event that's happened to her in her own life that she's had to work through, but we do not know what that is. Great dialogue takes place in the classroom between the teacher and the student body. Say you're a zebra, you need to learn to face the lion, but you don't want to end up on the menu. So what's the zebra brain do? It uses nightmares to simulate the conflict. They live their lives in constant fear of attack. Meanwhile, Brooke, still not hearing from Jake, this is where things get good in class. Brooke, Emma, because the same thing happened in the first season where yeah, Seth Branson we- called out Audrey and Noah yeah, for talking. Mm-hmm. But here, this teacher, the female teacher, is like, Brooke, Emma, can either of you tell us what our friends, the scientists, call this adaptation? Brooke, uh, something about zebras? <laughs> yeah, but no. Threat simulation theory. Noah and Zoe are on it. If prey animals dream of their predators, what does the predator dream of? Okay, Othello is a predator. I think he's dreaming about chasing, not being chased. Yeah, I totally agree. But he's chasing squirrels. What does the predator dream of? Girl, Girl predators. predators. That was so good. But then Stavo comes in with something that's a lot more grounded. The predator is us, human beings. Like, he's so weird. He always brings the room down. But I love him. The teacher says, that's right, Stavo. He's quickly becoming almost a favorite. And I bet Noah is none too happy about this. Meanwhile, Noah and Audrey kind of make up. Noah's all happy again. He says, by Curious and the Virgin, out of retirement, I'll dust off my costume. Emma runs into this character, creepy, stilted, bizarro character in the hallway. Super creepy. He does not identify his name, but we know him as Eli. And And he knows Emma. He's like looking at some Lakewood Day event that's been posted. And she's like, oh, um, you know, are you looking into something that you're going to sign up for? No, Emma, but I'm thinking about it. Okay, how do you know her name, bro? He goes, everybody knows who you are, Emma. Hmm. Hmm. Very odd. We have the mayor and we have Brooke, father and daughter, meeting for coffee. We still don't know where her mother is, by the way. Who knows? Who cares? Allegedly rehab. There's talk of the Lady of the Lake event. So in Austin, Texas, there was Lady of the Bird Lake. But from everything I ever saw, it really met the definition more of a river. But who the fuck knows? Yeah, I don't know. And it was Lady Bird, Lady Bird Johnson, FYI, because Lyndon B. Johnson is from Texas, and that's where the LBJ library is, is in Austin. There is your nerd fact of the day. The mayor has been texting Jake. If you recall, when Jake was patrolling around with these gas cans at Ren Lake Estates, he was getting messages from Mayor Maddox. So the mayor is like, uh, where the fuck are you, Jake? What's going on? Why have I not heard from you? The mayor and Brooke are starting to get suspicious. I also like you get to hear his email, or you get to hear his voicemail briefly. You've reached the mailbox of the Jake. <laughs> it's those little throwbacks that make this show so delicious and so delectable. The Sheriff Acosta is at Kieran's house, and we see that he's there with his aunt, Tina. That's Dona Logue's sister in real life. Kieran's being kind of a dick to the sheriff. The sheriff's like, I'm sorry about what happened to your dad. Thank you. 
Is that why you're here? No, I'm here because you live in this house alone, and I just learned that your Aunt Tina lives like an hour away. I don't know how I feel about a minor living in this house alone. And then Sheriff Acosta makes a comment about Kieran's late father, and Kieran says, Who are you to talk about my father? But Aunt Tina senses some investigation, so she's like, Oh, oh, don't worry. Here, here's some lemonade. Um, I'll do anything you want. I'll figure this all out. And he's like, Okay, cool. So the sheriff leaves, and then you get a little of that melodrama where Aunt Tina says to Kieran, Hey, I was getting these stipend checks for being your guardian, but now it's no longer a win-win. So I need to think of a way to fix this. As she does not live in Lakewood, guess what? Kieran's gonna have to move his ass back to Atlanta, Georgia. Sayonara. I have an Atlanta, Georgia Starbucks mug because I have been to Atlanta, Georgia. It's nothing great. Been to the airport more times than I care to go to the airport. These are the new characters to keep your eye on this season. Sheriff Acosta, his son Gustavo, Zoe, who's got that yarn in her hair. Actually, I love Zoe. It looks, so it looks kind of cool. Yeah, okay. her whole vibe is awesome. We have Eli Hudson, who we learn is Kieran's cousin and son to Aunt Tina. And we have the teacher, Kristen Lang, as in Lana Lang, almost. And we have Aunt Tina. Okay, like I told you, Kay was getting angry at the sheriff. You don't know my father. Emma is broken to get this phone call from Kieran that says, Sorry, babe. Gotta move back. No choice in the matter. Bye. Bye. Also, I think it's kind of fucked up when Emma says to her mother, Maggie, You don't know what I'm going through. Uh, what the fuck? Emma, shut your mouth. See what I was talking about with melodrama? But Emma, that's not the Emma, person Emma. that she should be saying that to. Because Maggie knows all too well. She was attacked. She was stalked. Her fucking ex-husband, we will learn, was abusive, and she's had to deal with heartache, ridicule, being the town pariah, making threats on her life. I mean, if Emma can talk to anybody, it's any other member of the Lakewood Five now, or her mother. What the fuck? Brooke decides she's going to file a missing persons report for the Jake. Stavo is hanging out at the police station, naturally. This is explained. Stavo's father wants him to be there to just see how the world works, I guess. But we already read this at the beginning of this episode, but this is some great dialogue between Stavo and Brooke. This is played really well because you know Brooke is interested in Stavo because she's actually talking to him. Yeah. But I think they downplay it in a real subtle way where she's not like coming on to him and he's not really flirting with her. They're just two people talking and getting to know each other in what I consider to be an unforced, natural way. And I like it. I am interested in what will brew or befall these two characters. And again, we've said this before, but to have this tight-knit group and to introduce these new characters, such as Stavo and the new Sheriff, we are pretty hardcore faux Ghostface fans. But I feel like I accepted some of these new characters almost immediately because they're played so well. Zoe, Stavo, I love it. Brooke is number four of the Lakewood Six per Stavo's scoring model. Noah is number three. Jake is number six. I think he's ordering them in the degree of importance if you were to write a graphic novel based on the characters. So Emma's the final girl. She's got to be number one. Yeah. Who do you think's number two? Probably Audrey. Yeah, I think Audrey okay. is number two. Yeah, it makes sense. Because Kieran, I bet Kieran's like five. His idea is probably something along the lines of Kieran was an outsider. He was never really technically with Emma. They weren't ever really boyfriend-girlfriend before all this happened. So he's more of an ancillary character. He probably thinks Kieran's higher than Jake. Because he saved Noah's life. He's he, dating He was more interesting. Emma. Yeah. 
We get Brooke's monologue here, and it's brilliant. You don't know us. Not really. I love the way she delivers it. It's high-caliber acting. And then, she gets a text from Jake, right before she's about to pop in to fill out that missing persons report. But we know that's not only not Jake, but it is Fogo. What's interesting about the timing here is it makes me wonder, does Fogo know where these characters are at all times? Is it because surveillance is tapped in? Is it because they're monitoring the phones? How the fuck does Fogo know I need to send a text to her pretending to be Jake right the fuck now? That is a lingering question. Maggie sees how desperate her daughter is to have Kay around, so she goes to visit Tina. Hi, Tina. We met at Clark's funeral. Clark, of course, was Tina's older brother, Sheriff Hud, who got eviscerated. If anything, Tina should be like, Bitch, you were so quick to untie him from that tree. You killed him. Fuck you. I don't think that she cares about anybody except for herself. That will probably come in time. You're right, because, like, how does she explain it when the sheriff says, Karen, it's not right for you to be living alone. Your father would have wanted you to have a legal guardian present. And then she's like, uh, I was getting money, and this was win-win. Yeah, exactly. Reminds me of someone that I know, an aunt, perhaps. I'm not going to say who the aunt is, but they only care about themselves, and they're not good to moi. Oh, Emma and Kristen, the new teacher that puts her little phone number on a post-it note with a smiley face, they get coffee. So this teacher is there to help Emma through her demons. Quote, unquote. However, when Emma goes to collect the coffees at the same coffee shop that she met Piper in once, we see that Kristen, the teacher, is recording them with a little tape recorder in her purse that's not cool. What the not fuck? Not cool, Kristen. In fact, it might be illegal. It depends. But that's very odd. But then Emma has a Piper flashback. Emma's getting to that point where she's psychologically unstable. Very similar to the first season when she starts seeing images of Jake. I mean, I'm sorry. When she starts seeing images of Will with his head split in two. She sees Piper in the coffee shop. It's a flashback. No! She drops not one but two mugs of coffee on the ground. And I bet you, much like in the movie Superbad, the guy working at the gas station, when McLovin drops the beers, I bet the barista hates their fucking life around Emma. Yeah. They're going to have to sweep that shit up. It's awkward because this is the same location where Emma and Piper first met. Yeah. Why did she think that, like, why did she think that was a good idea? Just saying. Lakewood is a tiny town. There may only be one coffee establishment. One movie theater, Zenith movie theater. There's one motel. That's where Piper stayed. Crescent Palms Motel. I don't think it's very happening. I think it's kind of like Sea Drift, Texas. There are flowers, like 24 flowers at least, on Brooke's Range Rover and a card that says, I'm sorry. Okay, no, no big deal. Cool. Now she assumes it's from Jake. And as far as we know, it might be from Jake. Yeah, I mean, it's roses, so. Maybe Jake ordered the flowers before he died. Who knows? Who knows? This is, again, the cousin Eli, cousin to Kieran. He's creepy as shit. And Eli and Aunt Tina are having an interesting conversation. Basically, Emma learns, oh, thank heavens. Aunt Tina and Eli are going to move in. Kieran doesn't have to go back to Atlanta. Eli's going to be transferring to this school, George Washington High School. Everybody wins. Emma's happy again. She's placated. It's weird because Eli is so weird. And the aunt almost seems scared of him. This place sucks. And she's like, I know, I'm sorry. That's the first time that I've seen her act like that, because with Kieran, she's like, what? What's the problem? What the fuck, Kieran? But with Eli, she's like, do you want me to cut the crusts off your PB&J? It's really weird. Eli's weird as shit. I'm starting to think that he might be like the omen child. Brooke, 
What are you wearing? asks her father. Slutty wardrobe. It's like a black spaghetti dress or some shit. She's putting on all this whorish makeup. It's <laughs> black spaghetti dress. But it's funny because Mr. Maddox here says, Brooke, you said you were going to this pageant. The Maddoxes keep their promises. This is just like the Lannisters in Game of Thrones. The Lannisters always pay their debts. It's the same thing. I think Mayor Maddox just cracks me he's up. Hilarious. Every single time I, he's talking, I'm like, the Maddoxes keep their promises. He's always talking like in third person about the family. Yeah. The Maddox is this. The Maddox is that. The Maddoxes are an insta-goddamn tushin. You know, he was also in Mad Men. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. him. I love um, him. She tells her father. She nuts up and tells her father about Jake. Daddy, I'm dating Jake. And you said that you want to be forgiven. You have to be able to see the good in people, too. Motherfucker, asshole, piece of shit, cocksucker. <laughs> yes, yes, ma'am. I, you're right. That, that's a good point you brought up. Noah is at the Crescent Palms Motel talking to this Kruger fellow about what he saw. Very interesting. So how is Audrey going to get out of this? So Audrey already knows that she's Piper's accomplice, kind of. So this is getting stranger by the second. Meanwhile, Emma, this is probably the least interesting plot thread. Like, I'm far more interested in Noah meeting with this Kruger guy at the Crescent Palms Motel than I am Emma making Kieran drive her out to the dock where it all ended to face her fears so that he can say that her scar is not hideously ugly, which all of course it is. Emma. It's so stupid. So let's go back. Now, Noah is talking to this guy, Kruger. He's like recording the conversation through an app on his phone, but I got the impression that Noah had permission to record, unlike Miss Lang, who, by the way, to go back to the coffee scene with Miss Lang and Emma, Miss Lang is basically like, Emma, don't let Piper rule your life. She's dead. That's all over. You can move forward now in your lovely, lovely life. Bada bing, bada boom. What? <laughs> I just don't know. What, that just, that's a random onomatopoeia type thing. Anyways. Just like wham, bam, damn, thanks. <laughs> Emma sees Fogo at the dock, the reflection in the water. K, Kieran, likey the tattoo. I mean, Ew. Kieran likey the scar. Don't say likey. Because he's a sicko. Okay, probably. Holy plot twist, says Noah. Piper's accomplice was a girl. He learns this from the Kruger guy. Noah's then like, describe the girl. Well, she wore glasses. She had, he's like, no, not Piper, you fuckface. Tell me about the accomplice. But right before he can, the Crescent Palms Motel phone rings. Ring. He answers, and then you have the faux ghost face voice. Play it cool, scumbag. Whoa. <laughs> Basically, Audrey is calling this guy, watching them from outside, seeing what's transpiring, and he threatens to strangle the guy with his own fucking intestines if he doesn't back off. And she tells him to do it in a way that does not signal the guy talking to him, Noah. So he does. He's like, this conversation's over. Noah's like, wait, but you just, uh uh-uh, it's over. So Noah walks away all pissy. Audrey was supposed to meet Noah there, and he's like, ah, my tardy sidekick. We know why she's tardy, but she makes up some bullshit about having to clean the nacho cheese dispensers or the butter dispensers at the movie theater. And that's when Noah's like, man cannot live on toppings alone. He makes a mention of the dark eye of Sauron here. What is the dark eye of Sauron? It's a very interesting reference. So the eye of Sauron also known as the Great Eye, is the symbol that the Dark Lord adapted in the Third Age. This is from Lord of the Rings, the main antagonist of Lord of the Rings. But I identify with Sauron going back to a school project I did in middle school, where I was obsessed with the character Sauron from X-Men and X-Men the Animated Series. Sauron, he was the pterodactyl that had the eye vision Uh, and he could hypnotize his victims. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sauron, he was great, by the way. He scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. But Sauron is a supervillain. In the American comic books published by Marvel, he made his first appearance in the X-Men number 59, 
Sauron is the alter ego of physician Dr. Carl Lycos. After being bitten by mutant pterodactyls, he was transformed into an energy vampire, absorbing the life force of others through touch. And where we saw him in the X-Men the animated series that we enjoyed so much was in the hidden prehistoric jungle of the Savage Land. Yep, mm-hmm. yep, 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 yep. He also has a powerful hypnotic ability that requires direct eye contact to complete. He frequently uses his hypnotic power to give his victims terrifying delusions. I love that. This episode, instead of Psycho, could have been called The Eye of Sauron. So Aunt Tina is stepping up. That's how she phrases it. But is that really the reason? Meanwhile, the same old Buick that was following Emma at the beginning of the episode, it's still following her now. Meanwhile, as Emma is walking near the nearby theater, what's playing at the theater, the Zenith Theater, says on the marquee, Scream for your life. I've never heard of that. It may not even be a real movie. I don't know. The car is looming. The license plate, because Daisy Bell here is always keeping track of the license plate because of all the dateline that she watches. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it's 5 Echo Romeo Charlie 545. Who is it? Who is rolling up on her? Did you know who was rolling up on her? I didn't know who was rolling up on her. No, I didn't know who was rolling up on her. Kevin fucking Duvall, her birth father. (gasps) He gets out of the car. It's very climactic. He's back in Lakewood. He just feels that it's time that he'd be nearby in case his daughter needs him. She is fucking stupefied. We're back in Lakewood now. We have Mission Impossible Audrey. It's nighttime. She's wearing the same hoodie that she was wearing when she took the Fogo mask back in season one. She puts a car mat over the razor wire. Ah, I thought that was pretty clever. Yep. Yes. And it's the same outfit as when she lifted the mask at the records building back in episode eight or nine or whatever the fuck. Noah is podcasting. I already read what he was podcasting, but it plays in brilliantly with what's unfolding, just like in the first episode, the pilot, when Noah's given his monologue about, you got to stretch it out on TV. And then the parents find Nina Patterson drowned dead in her own blood. Suspense is underrated, Noah tells his listeners. And then the air fresheners hanging in the storage locker, Piper's storage locker. There are like 5 million air fresheners, just like the movie 7, which soon we will be releasing as a slick flick pick. And were we not very pleased with how that one turned out? Yeah, surprisingly a great episode. Behind the air fresheners, on the floor, Jake. Jake is laying there, his guts are all out. He still looks pretty good for a corpse. But this dude is fucking dead, and then pinned to his body, it's a message to Audrey. See how I finished the job for you, Audrey? And there's a camera in the corner near the ceiling, watching her. This is blackmail at its best, but this is jail time for Audrey. She should have known. I mean, she should have known there was going to be a freaking camera. Just saying. Come on, Audrey. Body count zero, because Jake died in the last episode, and that's ground that we've already treaded on. Daisy Bell, did you have any last-minute thoughts or asides before we get to our music? I'm just waiting for the culmination of Noah to, like, get so close to knowing that it's Audrey. And also, I feel like it can be Audrey. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, she was involved somehow, but I think it has to be somebody else. Time for tunes for the post-op surgical mask-wearing loons, which still works because it's the same Fogo mask, basically. Slow, plain by Western Lowe's. And remember, I only list the songs that were great. I'm Not There by Leia, that's L-E-Y-Y-A. Break by A-D-L-T Video, V-D-E-O. Get it? Adult Video? I don't know why they left out the letters. Probably because the name was already taken. Flicker featuring Chai, Harry, Shadow. Waiting by Voke. Okay, Voke's good. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. 
Swedish, I guess. V, O with an umlaut and K. But Waiting by Vogue, that's a great band. We have them on Pandora. I'm sorry, Spotify for you, Pandora yeah. for me. Still Wild by Lamar and Angel Zoo. That's a weird name. By Flake. P-H-L-A-K-E. That would have been a good song to hear at Ren Lake. Get it? Flake. <laughs> <laughs> what awaits Audrey in that storage locker proves a macabre shocker. Where the F-Stars is Brandon, but more contemporarily, where the fuck balls is Branson? I've been wondering that too, because we know he's not in jail. He was released from prison in the season one finale. Well, clearly he lost his job. Yeah, but Brooke is still around. The zebra may choose to face the lion, but one of the Lakewood Six is long since dying. The Maddoxes swear they'll keep their promise with lies even Quinn can't dismiss. Piper fucking Shaw is dead, but who wears this familiar coat and faux ghostface mask in her stead? Dream a little scream for us, dreamy screamers, or stream a little scream for us, streaming screamers. Note that Scream, the TV series, is currently available on Netflix for your viewing pleasure. Can you spot the killer's brand? There? Cold knife clutched in there? Blood red hand? This new Scream season we begin. Of this new slew of games, how many will foe Ghostface win? Old transgressions resurface, along with past sin. Was Piper a triplet or a goddamn twin? The unmasked killer shouldered secrets, but even more mystery surrounds Quinn. But how will these tortuous tales he spin? And on who will the brunt of the blame he pin? If you listen intently and watch with focused peepers, you just might catch the next chapter coming. Fogo space. Will Audrey meet the killer obscene, unknown, unseen in chapter 13? Vacancy for a slashing spree. Kinky plastic and a corkscrew drastic. Counterfeit emails, twilight blood trails. Your host, the Noah Foster imposter, falsetto prophet, and co-host, Daisy, you'll meet me in Hellbell. Red Devil, out. out.